Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. That was my introduction. No one knows who you are ever anymore. You don't. I mean, how are they supposed to know? And on today's episode, it's the Duckies, part one. Quack, quack, quack. There it is. Quackity, quack. I'm Kylie. Now you do it. <laughs> now it's there. I'm a wild card. Are you a wild card? Like, do you serve as not only the number, but also the color kind of wild card? Like, are you like, whoa. What? Are you a, are you a, are you like a wild draw four? Or just like a, just like a wild I'm a crazy eight. Oh, okay. There you go. All right, friends. Welcome. We've done it. We are here today as it is the week before the Oscars. Therefore, it is time for us to give out our Academy Award. Not Academy Awards because we're not the Academy. We are Ducks Watch Together. So we give out the Duckies. Of course, the most prestigious awards ever given out to anyone of all time. We have star-studded guests. Uh, Kylie has confirmed that Ed Helms will be joining us at some point this evening. Uh, it'll be a wonderful time upon everything that we have. We're very excited to get to you today to bring you these categories. Uh, a little bit of an update from last year. Last year we had some categories that we retired. What those categories are, you'll just have to go listen to last year's episode and find that out. But we have some categories that are the same, some categories that are new. I think we've narrowed it down. I mean, unless Kylie has other opinions next year as well. I like these 10. I think these 10 might be the 10 we just go forward with moving on. I guess if you like them, we will. But, I mean, you get opinions. You get to express them. So, right. as, as I, I said. I don't like... Kylie, this episode is part one of two, we think. Just depends on how long we record, everybody. Who knows? Maybe this is a epic seven-part episode. Release an hour a day for the whole week. What do you think? Sure. Okay, great. Perfect. You get to edit it, though. Okay. I don't know how to do that, friends. It's really easy. Okay. I will show you. There you go. So, if this is an epic seven-part episode, you'll know I edited it. If it's six or less, it was Kylie. Uh, Kylie, are there any uh, glaring admissions that you have this year uh, that you haven't seen yet? Nope. None? Do you think I have a glaring thing that I haven't seen? No, I was just curious. Nope. I mean, I don't know what you haven't Hale seen. Hale County. Hale County this, e this morning, this evening. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's a glaring admission. I still haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh-huh. Um, I'm gonna get to that at some point. There was something else that I was thinking about. I haven't seen Blind Spotting. That was a movie people were talking about. Oh, Cold War. We still haven't seen Cold War mm -hmm. because... Or can you ever forgive me? Or can you ever forgive me because they never opened in our area, so we couldn't see them. And Amazon... I'm usually pretty, like, high praise, Amazon. But, like, this time I'm like, what are you doing? They're releasing Cold War on, like, March 12th? March 20th? It's sometime in March, 
after the Oscars. Yeah, we don't care by the end because it's lost to Roma. And it's just a weird strategy of, like, why aren't you releasing it this month when everybody is wanting to watch it in order to... Like, you had a two-month window. Your strategy makes no sense. Not that I won't watch the film, but it'll be, like, it won't be as priority of me to get a click from you. And, like, literally, the day after the Oscar nominations, you put a banner up and you're like, add it to watch list, coming soon. It was weird. And then, Can You Ever Forgive Me, never opened here and is not available, I think, yet on DVD uh, or Blu-ray. I think you can purchase it at this point for digital. But, like, I don't want to blind purchase a movie I haven't seen for 20 bucks. I would rather rent it and see if I like it first. So, there's that. Alright, Kylie. Are you ready to uh, to start with the inquiry of the half-squared Fortnite? Sure. Alright. For part one, friends... We're going to talk very briefly about all of our favorite things in film this year. But before we get to that, a brief, a brief pit stop into this question for this episode's Inquiry of the Half Squared Fortnite, which is, uh, what was your least favorite film-going experience of the year? Not necessarily the worst movie, but the least favorite... It can be the worst movie, but your least favorite film-going experience of the year. Oh, First Man. Ah, First Man. Why four? <clears throat> there are a lot of films I didn't like this year, right? Uh-huh. But only one film made me sit there for two and a half-ish hours thinking I was going to throw up for a minute. <laughs> From, like, minute two, I was literally like, oh, I'm in for a ride, aren't I? Uh, and so that whole time, which just, 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 just did not feel good. There's a reason I'm not an astronaut. Yeah? It's because I don't think I could not throw up <laughs> or pass out All constantly. Right. So, like, first man, you know, I wish I could, like, say, like, wow, what a film masterpiece. But it's, I can't. <laughs> I just, I couldn't appreciate anything because I just didn't feel well watching the whole thing. That is okay. There you go. We'll talk about First Man maybe briefly a little bit later. I mean, you will. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I will not. Listen, wheel is a, like, we'll have a conversation, like, I will mention it, you may comment on it, you may not comment on it, who knows? I'm not going to assume that you're not going to comment on something that wouldn't be nice of me. I think mine... Though, um, it was close to being mid-90s, because I genuinely hated sitting through that whole film. I really wanted to leave, but I didn't. Hurricane Heist was just boring. Like, it was not unfun as well. Those I went to both those by myself, and I was like, huh, this was a mistake. I could have been doing something else with my day. But no. Stupid Happy Time Murders. That's the one that's the worst film-going experience of the year. Because though I was by myself... And I knew that movie was going to be bad. Like, I knew it was going to be hardcore bad. I was like, Brian Henson, my boy. I'm like, here we go. You're going you're gonna to keep on the, the tradition of making some fun puppet movies. And maybe the trailer was just, like, bad. And you'll have... Uh, nope. Whole movie. Just atrocious and terrible. And I hated watching it. And I... I then came home and had uh, uh, I gave a, a specific play-by-play -play to Kylie of everything that happened in that movie. I was very drunk that night. 
Well, there you go. <laughs> yep, there it is. Uh, friends, if you want to answer the inquiry of the half-squared Fortnite, which is, what's the worst film-going experience of the year for you? You can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Leave us a five-star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. Wow. That sounds like a cat. Wow. That helps us get new wow. listeners. Wow. <laughs> You can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast. And now on with the show. All right, Kylie, we've come to it. The first award of the evening. I like this category. I'm excited that it's here. I'm excited that we're doing it. Like, huh. it's a, it's a good callback to earlier times in in our podcast history. Ladies and gentlemen, we've come to most fantastic beasts of the year. Kyle, what were your what were your qualifications in this most fantastic beasts? To be an animal, uh -huh. in some form, okay, or animalisk, okay. Or not human. Not human. The last time I like had a robot on there and you like freaked out. <laughs> so I mean L three is not on my list. Are robots beasts? Josh, what I maybe you saw more films with animals in them, but I sure didn't. <laughs> Listen, I've got I've got several options. I've got a top five as well as some honorable mentions here. Wow, I have none of those. I have four. Okay. Alright. Uh, mine is AKA the Paddington Bear Memorial Award because um, spoilers, everyone. I'm gonna be talking about Paddington a lot, so figured I'd eliminate him from this category. He didn't even make my list. What? Kylie, he's such an adorable bear. Yeah. What about Aunt Lucy? No. Oh, but but you thought about it. No, Paddington's so more much more human than fair animal. Fair. <laughs> fair. I'm gonna put a Lego movie character here before it. <laughs> Paddington. Alright. Uh, do you wanna go first or do you want me to go first? Sure, I got Tinkles from HT3SV, the Cheddar Goblin from Mandy, I got Max from The Grinch, and I got the Titan from I Kill Giants. The Titan from I Kill Giants. I that is one that I've missed so far this year. Nice. Why is so I'm assuming the Titan is your is your like is your winner? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> we haven't no we're just, Oh, we're just, just nominees. nominees. Got it, just the nominees. Okay. Yeah. Uh my my honorable mentions include uh Alpha from Alpha, the dog. Alpha, you know. That movie that came the out wolf? finally. The wolf. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. I the thought, first dog. I thought you were talking about Axel. And I was like, are robots beasts? No. Alpha. From that movie Alpha that came out. That was like man's first training of dog. You loved that film. Dude, it wasn't bad. I was so surprised. It is legit much higher than I thought it would be on my list. All right, after Alpha the Dog, we have Jeff Goldblum Dog from I Love Dogs, Charlie the Dog from A Star is Born, The Mule from The Mule. There's a mule? Well, listen, no, but I thought it was a good joke. Like, That's not. Take it off. Uh, <laughs> fine. Because he's a mule. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and my nominees. Here we are. My five nominees for most fantastic beasts of the year. Uh, we've got the Kraken from Aquaman. 
Oh, I saw that movie. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Think mm-hmm. of it. Yep, we've got. Uh, Excuse you, Julie Andrews uh, is no beast. Uh, yeah, but the she play is a very beastly <laughs> character. Uh, we've got Winnie the Pooh from Christopher Robin. We've got uh, the Horse People from uh, Sorry to Bother You. We've got uh, the Rabbits from The Favorite. They're in there, you know. And then, of course, we've got somebody who's nominated for two roles. That's right, two roles, everyone. Her name is Olivia, and she is a West Highland Terrier, and she was in Game Night and Widows. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I wish we had done this in 2016. Who would you have given the award to? Josh. I... The answer is clearly Black Phillip. Uh, yeah. There's no... no... Yeah, no, yeah. Um, so... I had no real animals in this. Okay, uh-huh. For no real animals have ever lived up to the expectations of Jimmy the Raven. Oh, okay. So what's the point? I mean, <laughs> listen, <laughs> we can all try. <laughs> to be Jimmy the Raven. Yeah. Um, do we talk about these? Why they matter? Why yeah. we chose them? Sure, go for it. Alright, so the Titan and I kill giants. Uh-huh. Okay, so the Titan comes in, metaphor. Metaphor for loss and sadness in things. And you know what? We have to feel the feelings. Yes. Um, Max from the Grinch needed to fill some spots in. Max seemed like a good choice. He was cute. He seemed helpful. He was, like, there to help his best bud steal Christmas on what, board with him. What about the yak? Leah gives up halfway. He does. It goes he does back. Not actually helps steal Christmas. It goes back to his family. Is the Grinch a beast? Is the Grinch a beast? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's green. I don't. So no. Yeah. All right, Cheddar Goblin. What is there to say about Cheddar Goblin that I... hasn't been said before? It's Cheddar Goblin. Do, I don't know it's if the I think goblin. I think we've not talked about the Cheddar Goblin on this 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 podcast here, Kylie. So, <laughs> however, you should maybe give some more context to the Cheddar Goblin. The there. Cheddar Goblin, we'll get there. Okay, we're gonna right. get more oh. context for the Cheddar Goblin. Okay, later fantastic. On. Hold on to your butts, but Cheddar Goblin, he's here. He's vomiting cheddar on ev- mac and cheese on everyone, mm-hmm. which makes him like a magical wizard. In Ooh, some ways. Yeah. He's done things that no other beast has done this year. Have you ever seen someone vomit? No, I've not. Someone? I've never seen it. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. And then Tinkles. And then Tinkles. A.K.A. Bob. A.K.A. Bob. H-T-S- HT3SV. <laughs> yep, you're wrong. You're right. <laughs> Completely right. Yep, uh-huh. Comes in and creates a joke. Above all jokes. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Okay, I feel like this is a harder <laughs> choice than you're giving it credit for for you. Because, like, you're all like, Ooh, what's the point, Jimmy the Raven? Oh. You've got, like, two, at least two of like your, <laughs> like, best film characters of the year are right here, okay? Yeah. I don't... I don't think I need your cynicism <laughs> over there, okay? How you gonna pick? Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Well, like the Oscars, does, I try to spread my, I try to spread my awards. Does off. Blobby count as a beast? Blobby, <laughs> he's fine. He's Blobby. 
Blobby's great. Matt Bug, you're right. Okay, so winner this year, <laughs> written in, is Blobby from HT3SV. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What happened to everybody else? <laughs> ah, Josh! Blobby! He's Blobby! Blobby dances? Blobby creates sentient life by reaching within himself it's true and story. pulling out a smaller blob. Alright, but let's assume that Blobby's a blob, not a beast. Oh, okay. He's goo. He's like Flubber. Yeah. And when I said Flubber on the last one, you freaked out about that too. See? Alright. There are rules. Have you talked about your people? Do I say my winner now and then you're going to talk about your people That's and why? Sure. Okay. Okay. Well, obviously my answer is of course. Uh, the Cheddar Goblin. Ooh, Cheddar Goblin. <laughs> Cheddar Goblin. Uh, uh, oh, Cheddar Goblin. Stop it. Stop. No, no. Yes, oh. yes, please. Oh, no. More. Stop putting mac and cheese more. on me. Stop it. Oh. Uh, just say your speech. Oh, goodness. Uh. Cheddar Goblin. <laughs> I, I started talking to... I think the conversation of Cheddar Goblin began with a gif. Uh-huh. Or a picture. Yeah. It just started there. Yeah. No explanation and no rhyme. And you were like, what? And I was like, find out for yourself. Ooh, it was a, it was a choose your own adventure. <laughs> yeah. You had to figure it out. Uh-huh. And you figured it out. It did. <laughs> and then once I knew you had seen Mandy, I went, Cheddar Goblin though, right? And you were like, I mean, how can I argue with yeah. that statement? Yeah. Um... I, I think that just, uh, in terms of 2018, Cheddar Goblin is a very, sim in the way it works in the film, it's very symbolic of 2018, where, like, bad things are gonna happen, but you take a moment, and you just enjoy life. Which is Cheddar Goblin. Yeah, and yeah. Cheddar Goblin is our moment of enjoying Love it. life. Love it. Awesome. Yeah. You cool. still find good in the world. Alright. Um... <laughs> Yeah, Cheddar Goblin's my favorite part of Mandy, so there you go. <laughs> Alright, Doug. True story. Uh, the Kraken, good old Kraken from uh, Aquaman. Did you say all your nominees? Yeah. Okay. I said Kraken, Pooh, oh, Horse you, you People, did. Rabbits, and Olivia. Uh huh. Alright, so. And Olivia. Olivia. The Rabbits? Wait, no. who's Olivia? Olivia. She is oh, the West the Highland Terrier okay. from Widows and Game Night. Uh huh. There you go. Yeah. She's got two roles in there. Yeah. She, she having a year, like it's it's the year of Olivia. I'm pretty sure Black Philip is the goat in Aquaman what? on the plane. What? That seems like things you're making up. <laughs> Josh, keep going. Yeah, the Kraken, uh, which I don't even know if she is a Kraken or not, but I'm gonna call her a Kraken from Aquaman, who is a glorious Deus Ex Machina for good old. Aquaman himself to ride gloriously into battle on. Yeah, so there you go. The Kraken. Good reason to be here. Uh, Jim Cummings as Winnie the Pooh in in good old Christopher Robin. Though I don't love that film because of the rules of magic, and let's be real, that performance as Pooh is very strong, very solid. Love me some Winnie the Pooh. Always there. Good year for talking British bears. Good year for talking British bears. Uh, the Horse People from Sorry to Bother You. If you've not seen Sorry to Bother You and you don't know where and how horse people come in, now you know that they're here. You now know there are horse people somewhere, and I will not elaborate further because explore that for yourself, friends. Uh, I love Sorry to Bother You. Though it's a messy film, uh, I think it has some really good things to say, and I enjoy that film a lot. But yes, uh, the rabbits, they're all over the favorite. They represent Queen Anne's children, and 
well, her dead children. So let's get sad, everybody, here for these rabbits. And they're just hopping everywhere. You play with them. Sometimes your friend Emma Stone comes over and you just have a good time petting your rabbits. Sometimes and it's fine. Emma Stone... Sometimes Emma Stone... Sucks. Sucks. <laughs> Sometimes she sucks. But, guys, I, I, those are all good nominees. But the winner... The winner is my friend. Is Olivia. It's the year of Olivia. The most adorable West Highland Terrier there's ever been. Olivia, she steals not only Game Night, in which she has mm, one of the grossest scenes of the year she's involved in. Not on her end, but she's just there and blood's everywhere. It's fine. And then... The chemistry for, between her and uh, Plimpton? Plimpton? Jesse Plimpton? Uh-huh. That's his name, right? Yeah. It's it's on point. Yeah, it's solid. Yeah, it's because, good times. And you're just like you're watching it, and you're like, "Ooh, Jesse's very unsettling in this." <laughs> but, but that dog, but this dog, him down. <laughs> but but then that's just like the little mouge boost of of Olivia. That's 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 the appetizer. That's the that's the little the little. Yeah, she's the crux yeah. of Widows. Yeah. Without Olivia, there in is- Widows, she's the most amazing thing. Like she's everywhere, and she discovers things, and you worry for this dog, and you love this dog, and you're just like, hold on to her tight, Viola. Never let the dog go. <sighs> oh, and then and then Brian Tyree Henry comes in with the dog, and you're like, stop it. Be nice to the dog. <sighs> She's the star of that movie. She is the absolute star of that movie. We've spent so much time on this. <laughs> Alright, there we go. That's my most fantastic piece of the year. Alright, one down, four to go. Okay, great. We're gonna do five and five, I've decided. Okay, perfect. Alright, number five. Number five? Yeah. Do, do you want to announce the category? Prettiest film. Prettiest film of the year. Kylie, how do we how do we define this category? How do we or how do I? Well, sure. Go with go with you. Speak for yourself. Speak for your own soul. <laughs> just think they're nice to look at. It's just great. Yeah. <laughs> this one was particularly hard for me because sure. I don't know what qualifies as pretty. I don't really know what qualifies as like an aesthetic. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, these were just the films that I thought had a clear vision. Had a clear... Uh, I think that's good, yeah. A, a feathery touch to them. Okay. Um, these are also three films that I think are very distinct in the way that they are presented, which makes them pretty. Nice. With a bow on it. I don't think I have much other much else to add to that. I think you articulated that very well. I definitely think this is a category that's here because I'm like, no, I want to talk about... Some movies that look good, and cinematography, and other things that are great. Yeah, I took the word pretty away, and I said stylized when I was actually making this, instead of prettiest. Well, you know. Some of these got some gore. That's fine. As in, one of these got some gore. That's fine. I think that, like, to me, I'm defining the word pretty as, like, the best looking film of the year. That is, sure, you can go with the most stylized. You can go with the one that just kind of speaks, like, the the actual cinematic. You're looking at something, and you're like, wow, that's well-constructed. That's just beautiful. Like, in terms of what this, it looks like art in some way, shape, or form. Not just, I pointed a camera at something, and we filmed it. All right. Um, my honorable mentions and the nominees, so my honorable mentions and the nominees, honorable mentions are The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Crazy Rich Asians, Widows, Black Panther, Mining the Gap, First Man, and then my nominees. My nominees are If Bill Street Could Talk, 
The Favorite, Paddington 2, Roma, and Spider-Man. Spider-Verse. we got some crossover. Number one, if, or uh, I, these aren't number ones. These aren't ranked. I haven't chosen a winner at all. It's when I start talking through them, I uh-huh. really figure it out. I have all my winners chosen. No worries, friends. Listen, I'm uh, wild card crazy eight. <laughs> Alright, so the first one I have written down it these aren't even in alphabetical order. You could just you could do it. You could <laughs> Okay, so first one I got is Mandy. Number two, Paddington two. Three, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Four is the Party. And five Ooh. is the Favorite. Ooh, the Favorite. The Favorite. Nice. We do have some crossover. Triple crossover. Triple crossover. Favorite Spider Man and Paddington 2. Paddington 2! Paddington 2. Uh, good old Paddington. It's like a storybook town. It's like a storybook town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. interesting, Josh. I thought even within your honorable mentions, maybe I wasn't listening, but I thought even within your... <laughs> we're going to see if you were listening. <laughs> You're going to finish the sentence. I was surprised you did not have Isle of Dogs. Oh, yeah, it's a pretty film. For even... For even like, even though there are problems, uh huh, I think that the the best I can say is that that film has a very clear vision and it like is pretty with all of its things. Yes, you're not wrong, and Isle of Dogs probably deserves is to it, be in the conversation. Is it just but like you're like, yeah, that's his name. His name isn't Will Wheaton. What's Wes Anderson. Yeah, Wes Anderson. <laughs> you're like, yeah, it's a Wes Anderson. Yeah. It's a Wes Anderson movie. He did well with it. Like, it... Twofold. You're not as blown away. I'm not as blown away with it because it's him doing his thing, and he's doing his thing really well, but I don't think he's pushing any boundaries even for himself. And two, the story and the relevance of the rest of the film didn't prop it up enough for me to be like, oh, I just want to take time to be in this beautiful film. I'm like, great, I saw it. I, I have a feeling that I'm only going to revisit Isle of Dogs if I'm revisiting all of Wes Anderson's work. Just like Moonrise Kingdom. Pretty the much. aquatic life of... Uh, Steve Zissou. And maybe Bottle Rocket? Yeah. There might be a time in my life where I want to sit down and watch Bottle Rocket. I'm not sure what it is, but who knows. Someday. I might be like, hmm, need some indie 90s film. See, I was paying attention. Yeah. There you go. Look at you. I mean, we just did those this year, so there you go. No, I was paying attention when you listed oh, your things. Oh, yeah, there you go. You had Mining the Gap on there. I did have on my honorable mention. Mm-hmm. So, Josh. Yeah. I, I watched a Instagram video of him doing some of the skateboarding shots. Uh-huh. And he's just so cute running around with the camera. <laughs> I followed him on Twitter. He's got, he's like tweeted like 32 times. I love it. <laughs> He just seems so genuine. I really like Bing Lu. I'm like 10 out of 10 as a person. Love it. All right, so. You were very concerned that they were not wearing helmets. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, safety is important, but probably not to Bing. (laughs) Gotta get the shot. Yeah, 9 out of 10. Thanks for reminding me. All right, um... I figure I'll go I'll go through my stuff first this time because sure. you went first and beasts. Perfect. Um let's go every other. Uh-huh. Okay, so my actual nominees to run through them here. Um, I'll probably do them five to one. So I think my number five is Roma. 
Roma is similar to uh, Isle of Dogs in the sense of I think Roma's technical achievements are far more far, far and away better than its story achievements. We have a whole episode on it. You can go listen to that. But the visuals of that film, and in particular one shot that we're going to talk about a little bit later, because it is in, it's, a, it's a nominated for another category for me, are just stunning. I think the one that, that to me, really like is just the, like, ideal, like, represents this film in terms of what it does to its beauty, is there's a scene where... They're shopping for a crib or just some baby supplies and then there's a riot happening in and around the store. And just to watch the way that he sets the scene and he plays through that out and like you're just weaving the the macro story with the, the, the smaller story and it's just the micro and the macro stories together and you just it's just a really beautiful use of cinematography to tell your story as well. And so while I think if I'd like the film on the whole more, it'd be higher. Beautiful, beautiful film, Roma. Uh, number four is probably, I'm going to say the favorite. The favorite's visual style is very much with Yorgos Lanthimos and the way that he uses that fish-eyed lens and the way that he kind of likes to isolate his characters in this movie and the way that he likes to show the scale through different different uh, shots and uh, techniques as well as I think that he just uses all of these elements to create this world that isn't necessarily pretty like as a world but it's just a beautiful film to watch because of the way that it's put together it's, it's a very dirty look at england in this time and i was very appreciative of it um uh, number three is gonna end up being paddington two uh again as you mentioned the storybook kind of quality of building this town in particular again there's another sequence that we'll talk about a little bit later uh in the in the here but just the way that the visuals are created and the way that like when you're in that prison sequence with him and all of a sudden everybody's outfits are pink and it's just such beautiful stunning and i also love there's a couple of shot sequences where like the all the criminals are on one side of the phone booth and the brown family's on the other side and those shots are both set up it just it's a beautifully constructed film and it it is exactly what it needs to be to tell its fairy tale like story uh, number two of the year for me then is going to be Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That film is just stunningly animated. It is... I talked on that episode a little bit about how some of the animation graded on me just because it was messing with my eyes, but I can't let my personal feeling on that stop me from noting that, like, oh my gosh, that movie, especially the climactic scene where it's just color splotches just coming at you with characters and that you visually understand where we are in the cinematic language of what's happening it's a gorgeous film not only in its animation but also in the way that they like place the camera and how they they animate where the light sources are coming from as well as where the cameras plays to angles that we can't get in real life because you know gravity uh and number one of the year is if bill street could talk for me bill street is a film that i fell in love with and director barry jenkins i think not only gives you a very lyrical look at his film and his time and his place, but he allows that lyrics, 
he allows that lyrical kind of poetry to envelop you in just this emotion and this feeling of of you want to be with these people and you want to feel for them and and yet at the same time there are terrible awful horrible things going on to them and you're just mixed together in this world of love and loss and and just it builds this beautiful portrait of what it's like to to be struggling to be african-american or in america and so it's just it's really really beautiful if bill street could talk number one for me nice all right so the favorite so what the something that the favorite does is um the favorite never over makes itself look gaudy and if it does make itself look gaudy with all of its set pieces and all of its costuming and all of its lights and this, that, the other. It doesn't in a way to make a point. Whereas, it's very easy to just dress a set with as much crap as you can find. Ergo, see Phantom of the Opera, directed by Joel Schumacher, yep. who doesn't know how to balance a scene. Nope. Whereas, Yorgos Lanthimos is almost like, These things, they will speak for me. I, yep. well, I need a Greek accent. <laughs> you do. You gotta... Just watch uh, <laughs> Mamma Mia 2, and there's some Greek characters there. I'm and... done listening to Oh, okay. To you. So sorry. Um, The Party. I don't like... I don't love... I shouldn't say I don't like black and white films all that often, but oftentimes when I watch black and white films, I'm not, like, blown away. But I think that what The Party does is that it uses its black and white nature to show... Have you seen The Party? No. Uh, I Sadly, when I had the DVDs, I did not get to it. Um, but I think that what the black and white does for it is it shows, like, these crappy people, how terrible they are. <laughs> Paddington 2, as you were saying, everything about Paddington 2 feels very purposeful, and everything is very story-like. And with Mandy, Mandy kind of shows how you can take a horror film, but you can still have a visual style to it, and you can tell a story through... Your scary lighting and your depressing views. Spider Verse is the winner because yeah. Spider Verse is the greatest film ever made. Greatest film period. End it's of a story. comic book film on the camera. It's a comic book. It's a comic book. Everyone, it's a comic book put onto the screen. We did it. It's we finally perfect. got here. It's so good. Blah blah blah. <laughs> Spider-Man moved in a way that Spider-Man should move, but not in the way that Andrew Garfield's rubber Spider-Man moved and didn't look so good. Yeah, fair. And so here we are. We finally got our Spider-Man. We did it. We did it, everyone. There you go. Josh. Yeah. What's the saddest moment of the year? All right. uh, Should I start? Yeah, but do you want me to explain the award? Sure. Okay, so saddest moment of the year is basically the movie moment that made us feel the most feelings of sadness in the entire year. There you go. <laughs> oh, oh. I got six people on this. You got six? Yeah. There you go. Cheated. I got five and some nominations. All right, so some you honorable some five and some Sorry, I've got honorable mentions and then I've got my five nominations. Alright, you don't have to say you love me. Spider-Man oh, Into the Spider-Verse. Hang on, spoilers for all of the films, because there's some of mine are near the middle or end of films. Alright, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. You don't have to say you love me. Disobedience, I'll let you go. First match, Returning Dad's Journal. Bomb City, The Trial. Leave No Trace, Goodbye. <laughs> And I kill giants facing the titan. 
There you go. All right. Um, uh, my honorable mentions are uh, the end of Adrift. Uh, David suspects his brother Peter as the uh, kidnapper in Searching. Uh, Spider-Man gets dusted. Infinity War. That was hilarious. Yeah, it was not. Um, <laughs> I have Daryl lets down Monique in first match. I've also got uh, Alice's death in the Ballad of Busker Scruggs. I've got the end of Black Klansmen. Uh, those are all my honorable mentions. And then my top five, my nominees are... Uh, Queen Anne has made the wrong choice in The Favorite. Um... Is it T uh, Tish lets Fawny know that they have failed to clear his name in Beale Street Could Talk. Cameron is beaten with Bibles in Boy Erased. Zach's reveal as abusive in Mining the Gap. Josh, I don't even know what to make as my number one. You want to talk about each moment briefly? Yeah. And then you can figure it out from there? Yeah, so you're, I'm watching I Kill Giants, right? The whole time. And I'm like, there's something here. There's something they're not telling me. I'm too smart for all of this. Uh -huh. And you can kind of, like, make an assumption about what's happening. It's a little bit off about what was going on. Um, but then when you actually have to face the Titan, you're just, like, crying so much for this poor little girl who, like, just got killed the Titan. And, like, this whole movie, she's like, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough to do this. I can't do this. And then she finally faces the Titan, and you're like, you were able to overcome the Titan. <gasps> Goodbye. Leave no trace. Le yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... That's a moment. You're just... Well, in, with Leave No Trace this whole time, you're just like... Every time something changes, their situation changes, you're like, alright, we could do something good here. And then every single time, Ben Foster just lets you down. Yeah. And he's like, no, we can't do this. We go from living in the woods to living in a town to living in a village. Trailer park? <laughs> kind of a trailer park, right? I call it a village. Okay, great. Perfect. Um, and like, you just want this little girl who, like, this, she's like 13, 14. Yeah. To finally just speak up and she finally stands up to her dad and her dad can't... I can't beat it. You can't. It's not as powerful as I can't beat nope. it. But you just are like, oh, we're almost there. Yep. And you just like, you're just so, you're just so broken. His PTSD is mm -hmm. strong. He's strong. Yeah. Um, the Trial in Bomb City. Bomb City is a film that, as I was just watching it, I was just getting more and more invested in these characters and then... When we come to, there's a trial at the very end to deal with all the ramifications of what's happening and the way that they present the characters. You're kind of like, yes, but, you always want to do the but, but as the defense lawyer just keeps pounding against the our main character that we've been following and just dragging his name through the mud and dragging his character, you're kind of just like, no, no, no. And you kind of recognize that as the issue with society of like, we, both sides were violent in this case. However, one side of violence uh, matches what our societal views should be, and this side of violence didn't. Therefore, this side of violence is bad, this side of violence, great. We should uphold it. We should thumbs up this uh, person. Uh -huh. um, returning Dad's journal in first, first match. Uh, first match is just a very 
emotional film. It's yeah. very similar to Leave No Trace of like this daughter just trying to stand up to her dad, who they she respects this whole time. But then in the end, she finally makes the decision to be like, you know what, dad. I'm done with you. I don't need you anymore. Here's your journal. I'm out of here. Yeah. And you're just like, good for you. Yeah. Get out of there. Um, I'll let you go in disobedience. All of these just take place at the end of the film. So I think you don't need to see these films anymore. I'll let you go in disobedience. Disobedience is just a very... Um, it's a little bit heart-wrenching just to watch the struggles that our two female characters have to go through. But then you get to the end... And you, you get this very uh, beautiful speech by uh, the male of that film whose name escapes me. He's Caster Troy's little brother in Face Off. <laughs> Here, I have his name somewhere. <laughs> Alessandro Nivola. I did not realize there was more than just the two famous people in that film. There's Rachel McAdams' husband. Uh-huh. Yeah. I didn't realize he was, like, a person outside of that film. Caster Troy, Josh. Caster Troy. little brother. Yep, there you go. <laughs> uh, he gives this big speech in front of the entire church, but there's a little little secret nod in there to uh, his wife, Rachel McAdams, and in the end of it all, three of our main characters hug it out, and you're just like, oh my god. Yeah. The it's, it's a really beautiful moment. Yeah. And then we have Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Is this your number one because you're doing it last? No, I just started from the bottom. Now we're here. <laughs> okay, great. Perfect. And then Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse is just talking it through. And he's like, Mom, Dad. No, he's just talking to Dad. And Dad this whole time has just been embarrassing his child like Will Smith embarrasses Jaden. But now he's like, I'm okay if you don't say it back to me, but I just want you to know I love you, and you're like, dads can be good. Dads can be good. Because in the past, dads have not been yeah. good on this list. <laughs> and of course, everyone, I think the winner is going to be facing the Titan. Oh, nice. There that was go. just yeah. ugly Ooh. sobs when okay. I saw it the first time. All right. Um. Okay, so... This is the only one that I'm like, I might just cheat and have a tie. I don't really care. Because there are two moments of the year. I had six (laughs) nominations, Josh. (laughs) Okay, great. Uh, My number five for this one is... uh, Is Tish lets Fawny down. um, Not lets Fawny down, but lets him know that they've failed to clear his name. So in Beale Street, uh, the whole point of it is that... They, not the whole point, but the, the, the plotty point of it is that they are trying to get Fonny cleared from this wrongful accusation of a sexual assault on a woman, and they're trying to get the woman to come back and testify in court, and she has fled the country. And so they're trying to find her, and they're trying to get her testimony, and like uh, there's this thing after thing after thing after thing, and then eventually, near the end of the film all of their choices are are done they have no other option and he's stuck in jail for a crime he didn't commit and it's just it's heart-wrenching and it's sad and it's 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 crushing um uh the favorite is next up um 
And with the favorite, it is, again, kind of a moment that a lot of mine are like we've built to these throughout the entirety of the film. Uh, And and I think that that speaks to the quality of the film itself. But with uh, with the favorite, we've seen this three-way relationship develop between Queen Anne, played by Olivia Colman, and then Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz. And through this, I, I know from my personal journey on the film, I was very much at the start of the film like, Emma Stone! Like, she's trying to work her way up from the bottom! Like, she's got this! Like, she's got a whole kind of, like, Rocky Bob going on about her! And then all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute, uh... Maybe Rachel Weisz is actually the one that has the heart and the that cares about Queen Anne. And then you're like, oh no, she was Ivan Drago the whole time. And we're rooting for the wrong person. And there's a moment near the end of the film. And again, Queen Anne's rabbits are involved with this moment. And you just realize that for worse... Queen Anne has made the wrong choice of of partner in this film, and she's outcasted the one person who probably was genuinely honest and truly cared about her. And it's just crushing. And then you've then there's some really good symbolism that Yorgos uh, um, Lanthimos does with the rabbits, and just like it's 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 hard to watch at the end because of the feels. Welcome to Yorgos. Yeah, land. welcome to Yorgos. Yep, there you go. Uh, number three is from... We're really just in a Yargos movie. There's not enough fish-eyed lens. That we can see. Fair. Fair (laughs) enough. Has there been a dance sequence yet? Yeah. Okay, They're all over the place, Josh. Oh, perfect. Okay. Josh, you remember that whole phase where we just did, like, the mob in the middle of the streets and they just started dancing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was that scene. Was I there? We're close to the end of the film at this point. Oh, okay. Great. Uh, it might not be about us. We're just side characters. Boy Erased is my number three. Oh my there's so many moments in Boy Erased could have been here, but there's this character in the film who is named Cameron, and he's, I don't know, maybe one of the only kind characters that we really kind of see throughout this film to our, uh, our lead character. And through the course of the treatment, with lots of quotation marks... There are many, many terrible things, but there's one where Cameron just gets beaten with a Bible, and it's very symbolic. It's very, it's hard to talk about. It's just hard. It's, it's a sad moment. It's very sad. But it, I think one of the things that is the most sad about it is that it is true and that it happens often. So or happened often. I can't. I'm sure they still exist, but I don't want to make assumptions. I'm gonna do it. I have a tie. I'm just giving out two saddest moment awards. It's happening. I'm doing it. There's a tie because I cry equally on both of these moments, and I haven't been able to watch either of them yet without crying. So that's a true story. Uh, we'll start with the one that's been there the longest, which is Black Panther, which is uh, Killmonger's death. And I think what is really impactful to me about Killmonger's death is that the fight before I've heard some criticism that it's not the best like lot fight you can't it's hard to follow the logic of the train doesn't make a lot of sense blah 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 fine if that's true that's true not gonna necessarily quibble with that it's not necessarily my favorite fight sequence in the whole movie but after the climactic fight sequence they climb to the top and they get to watch the sun set 
on um, Wakanda. And there's just this beautiful dialogue that happens between the two characters that this whole film has been building to, showing that these were two two brothers who came from different you know lives and and with their choices and the choices made for them and around them by their society one ended up one way and one ended up another way and you just get this really beautiful scene in which you kind of come to realize how much they could have and they could have been what they could have been to each other and how much they actually mean to each other in those ways as well as yeah, it's just a really good, powerful scene to kind of express what Killmonger is all about in that moment and what he's feeling and why he would rather die than live in the world. And so, yeah. And then the other one for me is Mining the Gap. And Mining the Gap is a movie that is... I'm not sure I've responded more to a movie than Mining the Gap, Mining the Gap this year in some ways. It's... A film that takes this idea of masculinity and this idea of um, male violence and aggression and domestic assault on your children and your family and explores it in a really interesting and fascinating way. And it kind of all builds and builds and builds and culminates to our three characters, Zach, Bing, and... Oh, what's the third guy's name? Kiara? Kieran? Uh, 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 searching. Kier. K-E-I-R-A. Kier, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, our three characters each have their own realization in a moment that's edited together beautifully, where uh, Kier is, is searching for his father's grave and trying to come to some sort of term in terms with with that relationship and Bing is talking oh, and he can't find it. Oh my gosh. Um and then Bing is con- Bing's mom is confronting not confronting but talking about the abuse that the stepfather gave to Bing and how if this interview is something that Bing needed to have happen then she will do it for Bing and talk about it all. And then Zach is Zach who's a character that we follow who we know was abused by his father. Uh, we have come to learn that the film is, is also abusive and that the cycle of abuse is just continuing and maybe he's realizing or not realizing that that cycle is continuing and just the way that this whole moment is edited together, it's just a really powerful look at the relationships between parents and children and how violence can shatter those and, and what that cycle looks like. The documentary, the side note. Yeah. Completely different. The documentaries that are nominated for Oscars this year, I can't ever remember the fifth one. Oh, I do. It's RBG. But uh, from what it sounds like is that we have two documentaries that have to, that seem to have a very strong narrative, which are Minding the Gap and Free Solo. Uh-huh. While it feels like the other, the other two of Hale County... This morning. This morning, this morning, mm-hmm. this morning this evening, and then... Of fathers, and, of fathers sons. and sons. Those feel like more like point and shoot yeah. films. Where it's it's interesting that we have just like these films that don't seem like they're trying they're just showing, they're not saying anything really. And we have these two narratives that are 
completely different. Yeah. But they're they seem to be much more engrossing to a lot of people. So And then RBG is a history lesson. Yes. Um because I was listening to a podcast, it's called The Big Picture Podcast, it's by The Ringer, and they were talking about the documentaries, and what they were saying is a similar point, in some ways, to what you're saying, in the sense of, like, there are two that are really popping because of the narrative structure, and the rest are just kind of point and click, but what they were saying about that is, in tradition of documentary, there's kind of five categories of documentaries, and it seems like this year we just have one nominated from each of them. And so that is kind of the more narrative structure of following a story from beginning to end, and that would be something like a Mining the Gap. Mm-hmm. We have almost kind of a nature or a man versus nature documentary, which is free solo. Um, we've got the journalistic kind of... say it's even man versus himself there. Yes, yeah, yeah. Whoa. But, like, having the element <laughs> of nature in there as El well. Capo. Yes. <laughs> I am El Capo within myself. It's basically because it's a Nat Geo doc, and that's kind of how that, that one fits there. Should we end? Um, a Fathers and Sons is a very traditional journalistic look at, like... Basically, it's reporting, then putting into a film and then looking at a, a current news issue. Um, Hale County is uh, documentary verte, which is literally no talking heads, just we're going to give you pictures and slice of life from this this time and place, and you get to put together what you grab from the documentary. And the last one, which is RBG, which is a very straightforward, like, biopic kind of a person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, mind-blowing moment of the year. Whoa, these moments blew your mind. Yeah, okay, let me explain this yeah, one. Yeah, go for it. Because I, like, I have the correct answer. Is this our last one of, this is the last one of this episode? Yeah? One, two, three, four. We're only on four so far. Oh, this is the fourth one, sorry. Yeah. All right, so the most mind-blowing moment is, like, where it's the moment that made you go, like, makes you kind of Keanu. Yeah. You go, whoa. Whoa. No, just, whoa. Whoa. No, just, whoa. That's not Keanuing. <laughs> whoa. That's I know Kung Fu. Yeah, you're Keanuing now, okay? <laughs> whoa. Okay, everybody, anybody can say whoa. Not everybody can say whoa. Whoa. Yeah. I'm a computer hacker. Yeah, thank you. I am an FBI agent. Whoa, I got a letter from the future. <laughs> Whoa, Sandra Bullock, you're in this movie too. Alright, most mind-blowing moment. And, uh, do you go first or do I go first? Mm, you go first. I, I go first. Yeah. Uh, so my honorable mentions are... I also have six in this one. <laughs> my honorable mentions are... <sighs> Liam Neeson in Widows. Just Liam Neeson. That's the... <laughs> Whoa! An Irish person. Um, oh man, the horse people are here too. Look at them. Um, <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good yeah. one. Uh, I'm gonna go with Chekhov's Nail in <gasps> A Quiet Place. <laughs> Most horrifying moments, you mean? Um... I'm going to go with Alex tries uh, a second time to scale El Cap. Whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you allowing this to happen? Um, Madeline's mom attends rehearsal in Madeline's Ma- Madeline. Mr. Rogers accepts Officer Clemens for who he is. Whoa. 
a white man show growth. Whoa. All right, and my 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 top five. <coughs> my top five. Uh, that moment in the car in eighth grade. Star decides not to give hate in the hate you give. Cleo saves Paco and Sophie in Roma. Mm, uh, you were never really here. I'm just gonna say gunshot moment for now. I'm just gonna say gunshot moment for now. Uh, I'll get more depths later. And then, um, the pop-up book in Paddington 2. Crossover. <laughs> Alright, here we go. My most mind-blowing moments of 2018. In no order. Yeah. Cheddar Goblin! Mandy! <laughs> Kylie, you can't just have Cheddar Goblin be your favorite movie of the year. Get ready for when we get to Best Actor! Or Best Supporting Actor! Cheddar Goblin! Um, Is this gonna be like when I said the mule in Best uh, yep. Most Fantastic Beasts? Um, statement uh is kind of odd but just accepted into your hearts getting off the hook overlord <laughs> <laughs> all right fair enough only true overlord heads will understand what i'm saying <laughs> only those of you who saw it in theaters uh the first fight in upgrade oh yeah once he has been upgraded <laughs> i'm sorry by upgrade you mean Venom 1. Venom 1? <laughs> the original Venom. Better Venom? Yeah, okay, great, yeah. The guy even looks like Tom Yeah, Curry. no, it's literally better Venom. <laughs> the car chase. Widows. Oh, uh-huh. Tied equally with the standing in the basketball court scene with Daniel Kaluuya. That was, that was, that was real close to getting there. Also, Liam Neeson's here. <laughs> He's not in that scene. <laughs> the end you were never really here. Yeah, okay, okay, great. Okay, great. <laughs> and, uh, Silverman Annihilation. <laughs> what is happening in that scene? Womp, womp, I want you to take back that you said that categories 6 through 10 are not good. No, because this I, one is good. No, they're all good, Josh. My least favorite is Prettiest Film. But after that, I can talk for days. <laughs> Alright, um, you... I go first this time. Alright. Um... <laughs> I just really like how I phrased some of these. Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna make an adjustment here on what my number one is. I'm gonna I'm gonna let our I'm gonna I think our for me, I'm gonna let our we have one crossover, right? Yeah. It's gonna be I am gonna make that uh, spoilers everybody, our one crossover is gonna be my number one. You were never really here. Yep. As soon there as you, you said that, I was like, which one does he mean? And then I looked at my list and I was like, uh yes. This <laughs> that one. one. <laughs> Alright, uh so building to that one. Alright. Spoilers, you never really hears the answer. <laughs> I, uh... <coughs> okay. Paddington 2. Let's start out with uh, Aunt Lucy and the pop-up book. I just think that, that that scene where we... So, the pop-up book is the gift that Paddington 2 wants to give to Aunt Lucy. And the first time that we see it, he opens it up and then we see inside his imagination of what Aunt Lucy would be like going in and around London if it was this pop-up book. And it's just this gorgeously 
put together sequence where we just see all of these London landmarks put up in this beautiful structure and we watch the Paddington just have the best day of his life with his Aunt Lucy and you know that when you're watching this moment like a it's cinematically just splendid it's beautiful to watch it's well crafted it's gorgeously animated it's it's wonderfully shot it's just such this perfect piece of of filmmaking and then on top of it you've got the fact that you know that this is Paddington's want and desire and even though Paddington doesn't realize yet that what he wants out of most anything else to give his Aunt Lucy for her birthday is a trip to London he knows that this is what would be the perfect gift for her is to see London in some way shape or form and so he it's just his beautiful earnestness as he guides her through the world of this pop-up book it's just it just blew my mind in the sense of like this is in a movie and this is beautiful and it's wonderful um Cleo saves Paco and Sophie from Roma. This is, I mentioned earlier, that we're going to come back to the, the my favorite shot of Roma. This is pretty much all in one take, and near the end of the film, they you've seen this shot in the trailer. It's, it's there quite a bit. Um, it's just chopped up there. But in kind of one take, we're at the beach, and two of the children go into the water, and and Cleo, who is the, the maid who we're following, she takes some of the other children back to the edge of the shore, and then realizes that two of the children are now unsafe in the water and has to go in and rescue them and that whole sequence plays out in one glorious beautiful take and you're just you're you're like on the edge of your seats trying to figure out what's gonna happen in that shot it's just it's legit like some of the most complex and beautiful filmmaking and not only of this year but that i've seen um Star decides to not give hate in The Hate You Give. Uh, so the very end of The Hate You Give, uh, we've come to a spot where we've been building, 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 all based around this idea of um, how do we treat people in these very difficult situations. And The Hate You Give is around a police shooting of a young African-American male uh, and both sides of that coin and the whole... whole whole uh, story really documents Star who witnesses the shooting and her coming to terms of what she needs to do and how she needs to be a leader and what I love about this moment is that she's gone through so many other stages of being a leader through so many other stages of dealing with this issue and that she finally comes around to realizing that the hate you give is the hate you get and that you don't have to give hate and that you can give other, you can give love in lots of ways. And just that realizing of that realization, which is something that I was really excited and glad that the film got around to. And I just didn't think it was going to get there. You know, I didn't know where we were going to end, but that was a surprising end spot to me for that film. Um, number two for me is that moment in the car, uh, in eighth grade. And if you've seen eighth grade, then you kind of know exactly which moment that I'm talking about. But, um, Elsie Fisher, Fisher, who plays the lead character, she has just been hanging out with some friends and one of the older friends who is, uh, take, giving her a ride home ends up basically joining her in the backseat of the car and, and, and gives just a terrifying look at like 
boys are dumb. I hate them. They do dumb things. Uh, and we all were like, no, stop, stop. Don't do this. Don't make her do this. Stop doing the things you're doing. Just, huh, just one of the most uncomfortable scenes that you will watch. And also realizing that it's a thing that, that most eighth graders and middle schoolers and high schoolers, you know, dealing with and coming to terms with their sexuality will, will have to deal with. And, and I'm not going to talk too much about the scene just because I think how it plays out is, is something that you should experience yourself if you haven't seen eighth grade so but yeah that moment in the car from eighth grade which makes my number one the gunshot scene from you were never really here but i'm gonna pause and not talk about it until kylie gets to it as well and then we'll talk about it together all right let's talk about Silverman. all right let's do it annihilation <laughs> annihilation <laughs> so josh one of us really liked this film yep one of us i think was Bexit? Very much so. All right. Yes. Um. It, uh, what? Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, those sounds are exactly correct. Yep, that's that's how you describe the scene. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Natalie Portman is fighting a silver man in it. <laughs> what is happening in that moment? What what that what that what that moment feels like to me as someone who. Um, I really like sci-fi. I've seen, and I really like some hardcore sci-fi. I don't always love hardcore sci-fi. But what that moment seems like is it's every sci-fi movie, they just like played it on top of each other. <laughs> yep. And they're just like, we'll take everything. And it's like the history of sci-fi right there. Yep. And I think yeah. that's what blows my mind most about it is how many elements they put into this one scene and you're just trying to figure out like, what is happening? What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> Not wrong. I think if I watched Annihilation again, I might come around to meet more meet it more on its terms but i don't know if i can if i'll i might at some point josh it's okay if you don't yeah it me and bj will die on yep. this hill together you can lots of people actually are dying on this hill yeah we'll leave we'll leave the end of you were never really here yeah. for later yeah let's do it together the okay. car chase widows yep <laughs> and the basketball scene and the basketball scene oh my gosh the basketball scene might be here more than the car chase. Yeah. I'm going to change. Okay. The car right. chase is great. Yeah. The car chase is much more like, ah, but the basketball scene. Can I, can I really fast while we're talking about car sequences and widows? One of my almost on here was if I had to tie, it was that sequence where Colin Farrell drives from downtown or not downtown, but like downtown the Griffey Newman's home to uptown Griffey Newman's home. Yes. There you go. Because what all that scene is doing, not all that scene is doing, there's talking, but all you're doing is you're looking at essentially the car and like the reflection of like the city on the car and you're literally leaving from an urban setting to a more upscale setting and so it's just showing the gentrification of yes colin farrell's character and the fact that like that's an actual like four block radius mm -hmm. of chicago that they were driving through anyway sorry basketball scene daniel kaluuya is really scary in it and like this Terrible. poor guy is just rapping and he's looking at him like <laughs> and you're just like oh my gosh and then like out of nowhere bad things happen and you're like ah and you f you feel the blood splatter on your face yeah. even though you're not there at the basketball scene he was a very good performance in that i love that movie all right what else you got um 
the first fight and upgrade. Um, Lee Wanos Venom? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that, um, so the first time you see him fight, it, th- this scene is almost a slapstick comedy, but at the same time, it's very horrifying. Um, and, and the first scene is where he uses this, his camera technique the best, because he repeats it throughout of like, oh, I'm just going to do a sharp, quick cut. And with the first scene, it works the best because I think he does a longer take, at least with all of them. Mm-hmm. But you're watching this and you're kind of just having a great time. Like, oh, that's pretty hilarious. Oh, 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 it's not hilarious anymore. And you're like, don't, don't use Max anymore to murder people. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Um, getting off the fucking overlord. No, you're just, you're just hanging out with Wyatt Russell. Uh-huh. He's the only actor of this film who I know their name. There are some other people there. Wyatt is merely a supporting character. Okay. But. He's not the Overlord? He is not the Overlord. Okay, perfect. I think that's the name of the operation. Um, but, like, he has this scene <clears throat> where he just, like, really shows uh, the sacrifices he's willing to do. And I think that you're watching that and you're like, man, this character finally really comes through for us in the end. And, like, that's, like, the real... He's the one with the most arc. Our main yeah. character is just like, huh, huh, huh. he's 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 really just trying to survive the night. But Wyatt Russell helps us out quite a bit. There you go. And then the Cheddar Goblin. And then the Cheddar Goblin. <laughs> um, in Mandy, you got to slow burn the whole way. Uh huh. Um, and some something horrific has happened, has occurred, and you're kind of just feeling down. It's kind of sad. It's kind of like 2018. And you know what happens? What? Nicolas Cage turns on the TV and there's a mac and cheese commercial and it's a Cheddar Goblin. And you're so uncomfortable up to this point of the slow burn of like horrific things that you've seen. And then you get to the Cheddar Goblin and you're like, it's okay to laugh. I'm allowed to feel some joy in yeah. this moment. Yeah. And that's why the Cheddar Goblin is mind-blowing. Because you think, nothing will make me happy in this moment. And then, the Cheddar Goblin comes in. Friends, if you don't know what the Cheddar Goblin is, I'm, I'm excited for you to discover the film Mandy and discover the Cheddar Goblin. Um, I should probably pick which one is my... It's probably Silverman in Annihilation. Okay, alright. All right, we still have one that. more moment, our, our joint moment here. My, my number one. A, yes. a Ducks Watch Together joint? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Just like... <laughs> Just like Spike Lee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't steal it from him. Yeah, no, it's fine. Borrow. Yeah. So, to talk about this scene, I'm just, I'm going to just put up a, uh, a warning. A spoiler warning? A spoiler warning for, you were never really here. Pause right now. Go watch it. Come on back. Because we might talk about it later. Okay. Uh, oh, I don't have my phone. Um, you know what? I'm, let's get a timer on here. We're going to give ourselves exactly one minute to talk about this. So, uh, and it's such a moment that, like, I don't want to spoil for people, but, like, it needs to be there. Uh, and so if you, um... Okay. Okay, great. So, uh, so you can skip one minute in your timer starting... Now. Now. Okay, so we're at the end of the... We're at the very end of the movie. We're at the last shot. We're in a diner. We saved the girl. Everything is great. But this man who has been contemplating suicide his entire Whole way movie. through... 
he pulls out a gun and he shoots himself in the head oh my in gosh. this diner sequence. And you think it's happened. And you actually think it's happening. There's blood splattering. He's dead on the table. The waitress puts down the bill, walks away. And they've done a couple other fake outs throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And yet this one just seems so real. You're like, oh my gosh, he completed his goal. And therefore then he's like, great, now I can blow my head off. Yeah. And you're like, oh. Because that's essentially the reason why he hasn't killed himself is his yeah. mom. But yep. now his mom is dead. Yep. And then the second, like, the other major time he's going to kill himself, it's the girl. But he's saved the girl, mom's dead, nothing you can do about that. And so it's just like, you're just sitting there and you're like, this is what our character has come to. And yet now you realize that not only has he saved the girl, he has something to live for in the girl. Because, like, at least for me, I was like, they're going to be together. They're going to be in each other's lives. So that moment, and you were never really here. All right. We'll talk more about you were never really here coming soon. No worries, friends. Not just that one very quick minute about why that film is is legit great. And now, the final of the this episode. The final of this episode. Best use of a song. Best use of a song. Josh, you know what my number one is, right? You. This is the only one where the winner was there the entire time. I had to like I had to really stretch to find some other things to be in contention. But I think we, so. We know what the answer is. We know what your answer is. Yeah, I don't know what your answer is. Okay, it's great. gonna be something like like, oh they used a song. <laughs> I make a whole playlist each year about songs used in film. So here's what I did. Okay. <clears throat> here's what I did. It had to be a song that already existed. Okay. Okay, and then we just put it in. Okay. I have five on this. I've got five in honorable mentions. I do not have that qualifier. It could be an original song as well. Ah. It's totally fine. Um, and then also it couldn't be from Mamma Mia 2. <laughs> I also didn't have that qualifier. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about Waterloo. <laughs> Waterloo! I was thinking... So no. that was just my qualifications. Yeah. Because uh, to me... I mean, like, music written originally for a song, very important, but I, 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 I was like, how are you going to use a song that exists? Yeah, I genuinely do this of, like, best use of a song, whether it be created for the movie or whether it be uh, f- pulled from a different source, and how it enhances the storytelling and how it enhances the the film on the whole. I'm not talking score. I'm literally talking like a song with words in it. What if, um, what if, what if we were? What if it's 2002 and I want to put the pian- pianist in here and I want to put blah 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 in D minor? You can okay. sure that yeah, one great. counts. Yep, sure, okay, totally, thanks. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so awesome. Uh, I feel like we've done a whole episode on that, the, something like this, and that was my number one. Perfect. Uh, I think you're first. Sure. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to talk through these as we go. Okay. I'm not going to say them, then you say, okay, here we go. Wait, what, no, wait. Do you want me to just name them and then we'll talk yeah, about we, them? Yeah, we okay. have a pattern. All right, sorry. Neil Young's Harvest Moon in a Quiet Place, Listen to the Rain on the Roof, Paddington 2. That's from The Follies. It's not by a person. Well, it is by a person. You're fine. However, yeah. I said The Follies. Yes. A Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody from Love, Simon. King's Chris, King Crimson's Starless in Mandy. And uh, Los Del Rio's The Macarena and uh, HT3SV. All right, my honorable mentions are 28 Miles Santa Catalina from Bad Times at the El Royale. Is that where he dances? That is not where he dances. That's actually the opening sequence uh, where they're burying all of the nonsense. 
I don't care anymore. <laughs> I mean, where he's dancing is good too. Uh, <laughs> Waterloo from uh, Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Uh, Love Thy Neighbor from Paddington 2. Um, as well as uh, the song that we have Hugh Grant singing and dancing to. Uh, A Cover Is Not the Book from Mary Poppins Returns. Revelation from Boy Erased. Uh, and my five nominations uh, are. Uh, Shallow from Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper in A Star Is Born. This Year by the Mountain Goats in Mining the Gap. What's Up Danger from Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Orinoco Flow from Enya in 8th Grade. And Yellow by Catherine Ho in Crazy Rich Asians. Alright. Alright, let's talk through. Go to town. Neil, Neil Young's Harvest Moon. We gotta show that these two lovebirds love each other. Great moment of like sound in this movie of bleakness and silence. You're like, whew. Yeah. This is a safe moment. It is. Uh, listen to the rain on the roof, Paddington 2. Hugh Grant gets up there, shows us everything that he is made of. Nothing, nothing, no fear in his life. This man deserves there. an Oscar for this. He deserves everything for this. Uh, it's the great, you know, this film is great up until that point, And this is what, like, this is like the extra homemade sprinkles on yep. top. The homemade ones. Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Someone. Us. Fun moment in Love, oh, Simon. <laughs> um, yep. Here we go. I'm going to talk critically about exactly one of these. Okay. And that's King Crimson Starless in the film Mandy. Uh, Starless. <laughs> You're not going to talk critically about your number one? <laughs> you don't know what my number one is, Josh. I go out of order the whole time. I do know what your number one so is. So, Starless <laughs> by Mandy, or in Mandy. Um, so that song, that song starts out very, 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 very slow. And then we build and we build and we build and then there's a song, right? Okay. Oh, it's almost, and it's played at the beginning of the movie. Guess what it is? It's an introduction to exactly what this movie is going to be. We're going to have a slow, slow, slow burn and then it's going to go, Wah! Yep. Not and that's, long. And that's the film, Mandy. Yeah. And then, of course, my number one is Los Del Rios, the Macarena by uh, HT3SV. Slow it down. <laughs> We're not on a time crunch here. You're, gonna, you're okay. Okay. So, the Kraken... The real Kraken has arrived, played by Joe Jonas. Yes, of course. And he is here to destroy us because trap music is the music of the devil. So. I mean, although in the Hotel Transylvania series, that'd probably be okay because the devil would probably be welcome. Listen, the devil's trying to kill these monsters. The devil music wants to kill these monsters. Fair. Monsters are nice people. Yeah. It's a metaphor. Cool. Okay, so here we go. We tried. Uh Huh? We try um, Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys. Okay. Not powerful enough. No. We try Don't Worry, Be Happy. Yeah. Not powerful enough. Okay, all right. So we have to find the worst song ever to counter this evil. What's it going to be? The Macarena. Ah, yes. And then we come together as a group. And we all do the Macarena for our lives. Macarena for your life, The everyone. Macarena is the thing that says... Listen, and it's Johnny. Johnny, the outsider from the beginning, who comes in with this idea and saves us all. I mean, Johnny's Johnny's great. Johnny's great. Backpack's greater. Backpack. <laughs> there you go. I lost my mind. You <laughs> did. Uh, even the second time you saw it. Oh, it's so good, Josh. <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go. 
My number five is Onyoko Flow by Anya in, in, Enya in eighth grade, uh, just used to help kind of show how our main character is slipping away into a whole other place, become a whole other person when they are online or uh, using uh, the social media platforms and such like that. Uh, what's up, Danger? From in uh, What's up, Danger? In Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is used kind of right before uh, Miles Morales heads into the final battle. It's his kind of like last like pump up getting ready to go song. Mm -hmm. Used very very well there. Gets everybody pumped up. Uh, Yellow, uh, the cover by Catherine Ho and uh, in Crazy Rich Asians. A movie that I loved from this year but I also like the idea that this song in particular, this love song in particular, is used uh, in this moment where we are finally letting our couple get together and be together and, and stuff like that. And one of the reasons why the director picked the song to have it be covered and in, in explaining it to Coldplay as to why they allowed it to be covered is because he wanted to help with the with the color yellow and specifics its past relationship to the um, Asian community. And so he very specifically wanted to try to take that song and give it a different context to the Asian American community. And I thought that was a really nice way and a really touching way to use that song. Um, this year from the Mountain Goats in Minding the Gap, which is comes in right before the end of the credits and I think just really, really solidifies everything that the film is about and was about and that you kind of feel through it as well. It's just a good anthem as well of like, come on, the year's going to suck, but you're going to make it through. And then my number one is maybe legit one of my more favorite moments of the year in cinema and something that until I, so it's shallow from a star is born. I loved a star is born and it, I think it's second half lets it down quite a bit, but everything in its first half builds and builds and builds to this moment where Lady Gaga finally comes on stage and or as the character, Ali comes on stage and sings shallow for the first time and just the way that this scene is put together the way that it's paced the way that the actors chemistry is together the, everything under the sun just works together to make one of the most magical film moments that i have genuinely seen and experienced and like to the point where i was in love and in awe of the filmmaking as well as they use that song in the trailer which is legit probably my favorite short film of the year is the trailer for a star is born um i knew that mo that movie has no right to be as good as it is i know and yet it really is and so but this this moment which kind of is the centerpiece of the entire film and just as they perform shallow it's beautiful and gorgeous and you're like yeah this is everything i wanted this movie to be and sadly it can't keep up that expectation as it goes through it kind of the roller coaster peaks and then goes down a little bit but it's still a worthy ride through the end of that movie but shallow from a star is born hey kylie really fast before we wrap up this episode uh 
do you want to do read off our 20 through 11 films since we're going to do our top 10 in the next ones? Sure. Let me get there. Okay. Uh, while you're getting there, I will do mine. Uh, so I'll start at 20 and then I'll go to 11. So my 20 is A Star is Born. 19, Crazy Rich Asians. 18, Free Solo. 17, Boy Erased. 16, Roma. 15, Black Klansman. 14, Leave No Trace. 13, A Simple Favor. 12, Won't You Be My Neighbor. And 11, The Hate You Give. You know, for this year of, like, meh. I was going to talk about this point on the on the start of the next episode, too, and I agree with you. Fine. No, no, you can bring <laughs> it up now if you want, but, yeah. No, Because yeah. I'm like, wow, I still, like, I, like, appreciate these films. I don't think they're bad, but they're in my, like, 40s. And I'm like, wow, this is all the way down there. Well, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, 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 20, The Hate You Give, 19, If Beale Street Could Talk, 18, Upgrade, 17, Borg versus McEnroe. Uh, 16, Mission Impossible. <laughs> Can you re-pronounce the film before Mission Impossible? Borg versus McEnroe. McEnroe. McEnroe? Yeah. There's no A. <laughs> That's it's, what it's... It's pronounced McEnroe, though. Okay, thank you. Mission yeah. Impossible, Fallout, Mandy, Widows. Oh, sorry, 14, Widows. 13, Boy Erased. 12, HT3SV. 11, Paddington 2. There you go. Hey, friends, if you want to join this conversation, and why wouldn't you? You can do so at Friend of a Friend Podcast. You can also find us on Squares, uh, Friend of a Friend Podcast.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Leave us a five star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. Ah, oh, wait, sorry. Can you do that again? As well as hit that subscribe button. Hey, Macarena. All right. <laughs> There it is. There it is. <laughs> that helps us get more listeners. You can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast. You can find us on YouTube at Ducks Watch Together, Tumblers, Ducks Watch Together, Letterboxd, WACT and Kylie Galsher, Twitter, DWT underscore podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Josh. I'm Kylie. Quack, 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 quack.